Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Broder. Are you ready to shoot the shit? Now, I debated this topic as its own episode because it's long COVID focused, which I'm sure you see from the title. And I don't think COVID deserves another second of airtime in anyone's life. So I had, there was an internal conflict over here at Shit Talk and we decided, we meaning I decided that I'm going to go ahead and discuss it because it is long COVID focused, but it's really more about the gut inflammation and serotonin. And that's what I want to focus on. So today's episode looks at a study that looked into long COVID, its impacts on serotonin, the gut and inflammation and how these all interplay is actually, I found it fascinating. It's worth sharing. It's worth hearing about. Um, Funny fact, I recorded this yesterday. Maybe I shouldn't be sharing this with people um, that I did such a bad job. I had to re-record it, but I was actually like slightly hungover. But the point I'm sharing this is I had two drinks the night before, two. For me, that's like, I could have two drinks and you know, that's, it's not a lot in terms of like having an impact on me. So I had two, but the point is I didn't sleep. I had like five hours of sleep. So I woke up yesterday and I was pretty hungover. I didn't feel good. And I recorded and just didn't come out good. I wasn't cognitively sharp. I listened to it. It was painful. So my point here is I could, I'm someone who I could have four drinks and I sleep really well and I don't have a hangover. Meanwhile, I had two drinks and I didn't sleep well and I felt terrible. So point is, I, I drive the point home, but don't underestimate sleep. It's impacted heavily by alcohol, alcohol consumption, and it matters. It impacts your hormones. It impacts your organs. It impacts your energy. It impacts everything, cell renewal. So if you don't sleep well, whether you're drinking or not, it's a problem. Just wanted to share that in fact, but don't worry. Here I am re-recording. This is going to be so much more pleasant. And yeah, that's it. This study, very recent out of UPenn. And uh, UPenn, I'm, I digress. Have I ever shared my thoughts on people from UPenn who went to UPenn? It's so funny. I've met a thousand girls who went to UPenn and they're all the prettiest, smartest, brightest, most successful, kindest girls I've ever met in my life. Like Renaissance women have everything going for them couldn't be brighter, couldn't be more humble, like the greatest, uh, over the top. Since dating, I've encountered men who attended the University of Pennsylvania. Not the same species. I'm not going to drag him through the mud. I'm just going to say polar opposite from the girl. I'm not going to sit here and start lifting, listing descriptors. <laughs> But the actual polar opposite of the incredible women I have met who attended the University of Pennsylvania. And it's so funny because now on the dating apps, if I see they went to UPenn, I just I just go left because I've tried it so many times and they all have the exact same traits that I really dislike. So it just doesn't work for me. And it sounds crazy. Like you cannot make these absurd, ignorant blanket statements like every guy who went to UPenn, blah, blah. But I will say when I was visiting my friend in Los Angeles over Columbus Day, I met one of her sister's best friends and he's a gay man and he went to UPenn and it was so funny. We were chatting and we like fell in love with each other. And I was like, where'd you go to undergrad? And he goes, 
pen. And I was like, you didn't. Like, I hate every guy that ever went to pen. He goes, oh yeah, me too. He's like, but I'm gay. So that's probably why you like me more. I'm like, maybe. Only guy I've ever met that was like worth five seconds of anyone's time. And, and, and more than that, like he was awesome. But it's just, it's such a funny thing to me. I don't know what it is. It's obviously a great school. You need to be hardworking. You need to be smart to get in, like not taking away their work ethic or anything, but just there's a lot of common traits they all have and they, it's not, it's not for me, but anyway, haha. Okay. Back to the point. Recent study out of Penn and it looked at the connection between long COVID and the gut. So for those of you lucky enough not to know, I'm going to tell you hallmarks of long COVID, brain fog, memory loss, fatigue. There's a lot of these like actual neurocognitive side effects that people who are experiencing long COVID were reporting. Now, the reason the gut gets involved, so the first clue that there was a connection between the gut and long COVID emerged when researchers were analyzing the blood of long COVID patients because they found that those who had low levels of serotonin had more persistent long COVID symptoms. Now, gentle reminder, 90% of the body's serotonin is made in the gut. We know that. But so this is what brought researchers to the gut since low serotonin seemed to be a predictor of this long COVID. Now, slight digression slash reminder session. For those of you who don't know or remember what serotonin is, serotonin is a neurotransmitter. You may recognize the term from a specific class of drugs called SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. This includes Prozac, Lexapro, Lexapro, Selexapaxel, Zoloft. Odds are you know at least one person on one of these drugs. They're very popular. They basically help serotonin accumulate in the brain, which helps boost mood. So often used for antidepressant or anti-anxiety. This is why serotonin is often referred to as the happiness hormone or the feel-good hormone. And it makes us feel good. It makes us feel happy. And like I said, it can help with depression and anxiety. It also has an impact and plays a role in sleep, libido, digestion, and wound healing. So needless to say, low levels of serotonin can lead to issues with your sleep, digestion, mood, depression, anxiety. Back to the study. Okay. They figured that this lack of serotonin could be a consequence of what's known as viral persistence aka viral RNA that the body just won't shake, whether it's due to like holes in your immunity or something else. It's been very heavily studied in regard to long COVID. Um, I'm not going to explain it more than that. I actually tried on yesterday's go at the recording to explain it and it, it just came out so horribly. So if you're in, in more curious in what viral persistence is, look it up. But basically, you know, it's, it's pretty self explanatory viral that is persisting that your body's not shaking it for whatever reason the immune, immune system cannot fight it off but anyway so multiple studies have found evidence of an ongoing viral infection that they deem viral persistence in post-covid patients so like i said it's been very heavily studied in regards to covid and long covid anyway knowing all of this they checked for genetic material because rna is a genetic material in the study participants, and in about 30% of the patients, they found viral RNA in the GI tract. What? So the viral RNA was present in the gut. Now, to study this further, they created basically the same model, but in mice, so they could play around a little bit more. Obviously, you can't just like run experiments on humans. It's a different story in mice. So they created this in mice, and same scenario, and the researchers focused on inflammation that was driven by type 1 interferon, which is related to the body's immune response, specifically COVID, one of the immune responses we see. And apparently this inflammatory response messed with the body's ability to absorb the amino acid tryptophan. So tryptophan is actually the direct precursor to the production of serotonin in the gut. So less tryptophan will equal less serotonin production. 
And these lower levels of tryptophan were actually caused by inflammation from that type 1 interferon immune response to COVID that I just mentioned. They also make note of the fact that this immune response led to clotting, which I'll get to in a second because it's also related to serotonin. But this ends up reducing the amount of serotonin available in the bloodstream. So then they were like, okay, we need to move to the vagus nerve because that's what connects the gut to the other organs. From there, they found that this depletion or the lower levels of serotonin affected the communication between the vagus nerve and the brain, which led to these neurocognitive symptoms I mentioned earlier, the brain fog, the memory loss. So remember now the researchers are recreating this in mice and they were able to actually make the mice remember perfectly again. So long story short, they had the memory loss, the brain fog. They were basically able to reverse that by restoring their serotonin signaling. So long story short, 90% of of serotonin is produced in the gut due to an inflammatory response to COVID, that type one interferon, our gut's ability to absorb tryptophan is then impaired. And tryptophan is the precursor to serotonin. So the less absorbed tryptophan means less serotonin production. And when serotonin was low, long COVID symptoms were worse and more persistent, especially those cognitive ones that I mentioned earlier, like uh, memory loss and brain fog. Brain fog. So AKA that gut brain connection is real people. A fucked gut led to these horrible cognitive symptoms. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. And the reason I like this study is because it's once again, an indication of that role between um, communication between the gut and the brain. And I also found it interesting because it also loops in our other friend or not friend inflammation. We see in patients, patients that have more inflammation tend to experience COVID more severely, or even I hate to say it experience long COVID and the inflammation impacted the gut's ability to absorb tryptophan, which then, because it's a direct precursor to serotonin, then impacts serotonin levels, which impacts things, like I said, mood, sleep, libido. So if you're someone who had COVID and perhaps you're experiencing long COVID or you're not sure that you're experiencing it and you're experiencing changes in your mood, changes in libido, things like that, sleep disorders, things like that, perhaps you need to look at your serotonin levels and restore them. Now, how do we increase serotonin? Well, I'm a dietitian, so let's start with the diet. We know tryptophan is the precursor eat more tryptophan, which is an amino acid. Where do we find it? Eggs, bananas, pineapple, soy products like tofu, salmon, spinach, leafy greens, fermented foods like kimchi, sauerkraut, cultured yogurts, and the big one, poultry, turkey. This is the big one when people have Thanksgiving, like, oh, the turkey coma. That's due to a few things. But in this specific instance, the high levels of serotonin People overeat at Thanksgiving, get a shit ton of serotonin, makes you tired because serotonin plays a role in sleep, and then they pass out. So those are some foods you could eat if you're looking to increase serotonin production. Other ways to increase it, sunlight and exercise. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter, like I mentioned, and just giving you a brief overview, it's actually located in three areas of the body. Central nervous system, GI tract, which is the largest producer, as we said, 90%, and blood platelets. This is why it plays a role in clotting. So we know from science, previous past science, that there is a relationship between normal seasonal variations in the levels of serotonin and the amount of available sunshine. Exposure to light has been reported to activate the synthesis of serotonin in the brain. 
So the more sunlight, the more serotonin production, AKA better mood. This is why in winter, I will say this is not why winter. Usually in winter, people like get outside, get your vitamin D. That's also really important and impacts mood, but also for serotonin, get that sunlight for the serotonin. And if you think about it, both vitamin D and serotonin are impacting mood. You're getting both from the sun. Of course, you know, wear your SPF, be smart, but get outside, get your fresh air. Also, I feel this is just important to mention now we're heading into winter. It's like early-ish, almost mid-November. So get, know this info now. So it's available. You can apply it in advance, not in, you know, eight weeks when mood is low and you're like in a bad place and like routines have fallen to the wayside, like take your vitamin D because you know there's less sunshine available, less daylight hours. I take 2000 I use daily in winter. Get outside as much as you can, move for those endorphins, get the sunlight, which as we said, helps support vitamin D, helps support serotonin production, fresh air. And we all know um, I'm all about the basics. Take that midday walk, get up from your desk, move your body. It matters. And I'm confident you will notice differences in your mood because winter can be really tough. If you're able to push through, get up, move, get the fresh air, get the steps, you're supporting your serotonin, you're supporting vitamin D, you're supporting endorphins, you're supporting so many things. They may not be tangible. You can't necessarily see them, but you're helping them. Another point to mention in establishing routines in winter, and I talked about this last year, but I'm going to talk about it every year. Establish your routines now. Hopefully they're already in place, but like don't start working on a new routine when it's freezing and pitch black at 4 p.m. In a perfect world, they're solidified, cemented, a part of your routine. You're going into winter strong so that they don't just kind of like tumble and crumble at winter's feet. Get them going so they're easier to maintain. Focus on being outside. And now you have a little, another feather in your cap because we're aware of serotonin, its impact on mood, its impact, um, how inflammation can impact it when it interferes with tryptophan absorption and that you can get it from the sun. So, of course, let's do a little outline. Of course, avoid COVID if you can. Um, But the other main point here is inflammation. It always comes back to inflammation. This is the hallmark of every disease state. And the opposite of how I think, you know, water's my MVP, doesn't get enough credit. It plays a role in so many things. It doesn't get the attention it deserves positively. Inflammation doesn't get the attention it deserves negatively. People forget inflammation is present in so many issues. It screws so many things up and most things come back to inflammation. And here we're coming back to inflammation, like inflammation interfering with the gut's ability to absorb certain things, impacting serotonin, impacting mood, brain fog, long COVID. So don't forget about the inflammation. It's always there. If there's an issue, I promise you there's inflammation there. Like there's no way it's not there in some way, shape or form. How do we keep it down? Well, as a dietitian, my go-to, I'm not, you know, some people will just say take an end say, no, let's focus on anti-inflammatory foods, foods high in antioxidants, which are fruits and veggies. Luckily for us gut lovers, those also are foods that tend to be high in fiber. So you're getting your antioxidants, you're supporting, supporting your immune system, you're having anti-inflammatory effects, and you're also getting fiber. You want to try to avoid inflammatory foods, which are everything that we love and know we shouldn't have like sugar, alcohol, processed foods, fried foods, seed oils, white flour. Sorry, that's just what it is. Um, But it's important to remember the more inflamed, so the higher levels of inflammation, 
the more sick people tend to get, the harder time they have overcoming diseases. And like we saw here with the COVID patients, more infl- well, this is like, this is indirectly, this is just something I've seen in practice. And then I've read other studies on it, but inflammation plays a role. And these people were more likely to have long COVID and then low levels of serotonin. So don't forget that. It's important to remember and be reminded that once again, the gut has its goddamn tentacles in everything. It talks to the brain. It's talking to the liver. It's talking to the kidneys. It impacts your blood. It impacts your poop. It impacts everything. So keep inflammation down, support your gut, eat fiber-rich foods, drink your water. I'm not going to sit here and list everything to do to support a gut because I have a thousand episodes on that and, and specific things, but I thought this was really interesting. And if you are someone who has suffered from long COVID, take a look at your serotonin levels, like especially if it's been very persistent and you, you can't shake it, that's something to look into. It's also something to be aware of for winter because it is, serotonin levels are impacted by light. It's not always vitamin D. It could also be vitamin D. It could be both of them in tandem, but maybe it's not vitamin D. Like if your vitamin D levels are fine and you're noticing low mood in winter, maybe it's serotonin. So all things to take a look at. We're prepping. Winter is coming. Get ready. Oh, 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 o